at Alina Health. We care about your health and wellness. Learn how Alina Health provides care that can benefit you in this edition of The Wellcast. Now here's your host, Melanie Cole. As you're enjoying the change of seasons and all of a sudden your skin starts to become itchy and your nose is running and your eyes are burning, just because you've been allergy-free your whole life doesn't mean you can't grow into one. For millions of Americans, this is an unfortunate truth. My guest today is Dr. Kenneth Johns. He specializes in allergy and immunology at Alina Health Clinics in Cambridge, Coon Rapids, and Maple Grove. Welcome to the show, Dr. Johns. So why do some people develop allergies that haven't had them before? Well, let's start by saying there's confusion here because uh, allergy means different things to different people. So to be clear, uh, when we talk about uh, allergic rhinitis, we're talking about nose and eye and maybe chest symptoms due to a hypersensitivity to something that blows around in the air like pollen or mold spore or dust mite or what have you. So that condition, allergic rhinitis, usually has developed most of the time by late teens or early 20s, although everybody's seen those children that seem to have them the day they were born. But most of the time they're acquired by late teens and early 20s and kind of plateau through the 30s and then sort of gradually fade away. So there's a very specific natural history there. When um, folks seem to develop allergic rhinitis, you know, late as, as an adult, sometimes it's because they, they had them all, all along and they were just sort of unmasked. For example, people that quit smoking um, can notice their allergy symptoms. Maybe they were masked by the constant assault on the respiratory system from tobacco smoke. Um, other folks um, maybe become aware of their allergies because they're all of a sudden exposed. So that's the person that has always been allergic to cats but couldn't really tell until they uh, moved into an apartment with cats. And then they, then they start to notice symptoms. So most of the time, those, those allergies are, are acquired early, and adult-onset or late-onset allergies are, are uh, maybe an unmasking. Now, secondly, um, there are conditions that kind of sound like allergic rhinitis but really aren't. Um, and there's quite a few of these conditions that are um, mistaken for allergic rhinitis. Um, they follow a different natural history and have different treatment options. And the symptoms are just subtly different, but sometimes it's hard to tell them apart. So an example there would be a person that has a developed vasomotor rhinitis as an adult. So vasomotor rhinitis is a nose that runs and plugs up because of irritants as opposed to allergens. And again, different natural history, different treatment options. So as we're talking about allergic rhinitis, what about food allergies? Because I've heard before about some people who were not allergic to seafood or shellfish, and all of a sudden in their 50s and 60s, they find that they are. Is this a common thing? Uh, again, to be clear, food allergy is almost always present at birth. It's not really clear how or why. Um, later on in life, it's possible, it's very rare, it would be reportable that someone have a true food allergy that just suddenly developed as an adult. Most of those adult onset or later onset um, reactors are more of a food intolerance. So food intolerance would be like a lactose intolerance 
um, which mostly develops as an adult. So a lot of times when you hear this adult onset uh, food allergy, it's really more of an intolerance. Um, again, treatment options are different and symptoms are slightly different. And don't get me wrong, some of those intolerances can be, can be very serious, um, but they aren't true food allergy, meaning they um, do not result in anaphylaxis. So what might someone notice if they've all of a sudden developed, or maybe not all of a sudden, but a little bit over time, an intolerance to something specific? In terms of foods, again, it's it's all about the story. People will tell you uh, shrimp, for example. That's a very common um, intolerance that we're seeing these days. Um, so people will tell you that sometimes they can eat shrimp and sometimes they can't. Or I used to eat shrimp all the time and didn't have problems. And now I have I have reactions to shrimp or some shrimp or shrimp that is um, maybe prepared in a certain way. So intolerances, um, again, they can show up. The symptoms are frequently more delayed um, than they are with allergy. And um, they can sound like an allergic reaction. There can be a lot of itching and discomfort and swelling of the uh, lips and face. But again, does not ultimately lead to anaphylaxis. So again, the, a lot of it is the story that people tell. It sounds more of an intolerance than an allergy. To be clear, a food allergy is very reproducible. It happens every time you eat the food, no matter how it's prepared, in any amount. And the first time you eat the food and every time you eat the food. So those, those are usually very clear-cut. The intolerance is when people aren't sure, um, that's, a, that's a good hint that it may be intolerance as opposed to allergy. So can anything be done, whether it's allergic rhinitis, whether you're developing seasonal allergies that maybe you had all the time but just didn't realize, or these food intolerances, or even some kind of an intolerance to pet dander? Dr. Johns, is there anything to do about these? Are there some over-the-counter recommendations you'd like to make, or should they come and see an allergist? So all of those are possible. Um, I, I think the first step is to figure out whether you have allergy or not. And that's where the testing is very helpful. So again, if, if you're having nasal symptoms because of uh, allergy to something, um, or if you're having nasal symptoms because of irritants, you know, more of an intolerance, our treatment options vary. So we have uh, a good over-the-counter nasal steroid sprays that are very effective for allergic rhinitis. Uh, we have other treatments, uh, also usually topical that specifically work for the non-allergic nasal symptoms, those, those vasomotor uh, rhinitis symptoms. So again, our, our um, medications are going to vary, but we do have good treatments for both. So again, uh, a lot of that stems from figuring out whether you have an allergy or not. And what about things like nasal lavage or neti pots or looking around your house for triggers? How does someone identify their triggers, Dr. Johnson? What would you, you know, is there some prevention possible? So again, uh, much of that depends on what the sensitivity, the specific, specific sensitivity is. If you're allergic to cats and you have cats in the house, that's a tough one. There's a lot of mythology about things that you can do to the cats or do to the house or do to the patient, but that's a tough allergy to treat. Um, although, again, sometimes that is the culprit, and that's really our best option is to not have cats in the house. 
I'm not picking on cats in particular, but uh, any indoor pets um, that are mammals have the potential to be allergens. So again, I think a lot of that stems from uh, knowing exactly what the sensitivity is. And do you sometimes recommend things like the nasal lavage to keep some of those things clear or air filters or any of these things? So air filters uh, don't have a lot of good data to support their use. Nasal lavage can be very helpful. Um, Some folks with allergies find it helpful, you know, where you rinse out your nose with a a good squirt of saline uh, that's hopefully clean and sterile, um, either with a neti pot or just a good good, uh, squeeze bottle. Um, Folks that are having infectious problems like sinusitis or chronic sinusitis, they find lavage to be most helpful. So my my straightforward allergy patients aren't as impressed as the um, people that have other conditions uh, that are more infectious, and they find that the uh, lavage to be extremely helpful. And sometimes they're doing it sort of as needed. Sometimes they're doing it regularly twice a day. And it's one of those old treatments that's been around for literally thousands of years, but can be extremely helpful. So then... In summary, wrap it up for us, Dr. Johns, with your best advice for people that may be suffering from seasonal allergies or late-onset intolerance, whether it's to food or allergic rhinitis or even to pets, what do you tell them every day about finding those triggers, identifying them, steering clear of them if possible, and when to see an allergist? I think that's exactly the case. Um, Try to sort out which condition you have because treatment options do vary depending on what condition you actually have. Uh, and sometimes there's avoidance measures that we can do, for example, for dust mites. Sometimes there's good medication that can be used, such as that vasomotorinitis, and um, sometimes there's uh, immunotherapy or allergy shots. Again, it really varies. Uh, it really depends on exactly what the, the culprit is. Thank you so much, Dr. Johns, for being with us today. You're listening to The Wellcast with Alina Health. And for more information, you can go to alinahealth.org. That's alinahealth.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.